Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at it again at the boot camp. Hope you're ready for the next episode as we continue into the character of godly leadership. We've been walking through the five factors of character, which is one of the many facets, the five facets of the leader as we jump, as we really take a long trudge piece by piece through the five key factors of the church that you need to focus on, starting with the leader. We have just on character, we have hit goodwill, empathy, humility, respect, and today we jump into integrity. Jimbo, I think this has been a really fun series. I've, I've enjoyed it a lot, and um, I'm hope, I'm hoping that uh, this is will be one that the boot campers go back and listen to and just kind of walk through it again. Either the transcript or just the audio, I think it's going to be really helpful. And I, I think especially this series would be helpful for guys that are just starting the replant journey, that are, that are just new to the ground. Like, if I would have had you know, these five things to listen to, man, I would have probably charted them out and just said, I need to make sure that I, I'm, you know, establishing goodwill in this season and empathy and so on. So I, I'm just thankful. And, and I'll also say this, it's not too late for you established uh, boot campers, boots on the ground. If you've been ministering for a while, a season, man, just go back and, and maybe think and evaluate your present leadership through this grid and, and see if see if there's some things that'll, that'll help you in your present journey. Yeah, we start with character because, I mean, I believe Scripture starts with character. You look at the the qualifications of an elder, and we haven't gotten to preaching yet. We haven't even really gotten to change leadership or any of those things, just character. And integrity is one of those seems to end up blowing up in your face if you lack integrity. And I think about integrity doesn't just mean telling the truth, but I also like the idea of integrity like, of a structure, of architecture, of engineering, you know, of that's built to handle the the load that's going to be put on it. And if you think about the difficulties of ministry, and you you put all these character things, goodwill, empathy, humility, and respect together with each of their five imperatives that go along with them, then you have started to build character that will have the integrity or the strength to bear the load of church revitalization, replanting, and the leadership involved in that. I think so. I, I really, as you were saying those things, it reminds me that skills can be learned, but integrity has to be resident in somebody's life, right? So I'll, let, me, let me take a guy with enthusiasm who's young, who may not have experience and skill to the degree that you know, you'd want to see it. But if they have integrity, I think they're going to get there, right? And they're going to they're going to understand that they've got to to gain some skills and develop as a leader. But we've all been around leaders who seem to be uber talented that just lack integrity in in some ways, and it undermines the ministry around them. And I think what happens is is talent and skill will attract and create a uh, a draw at times, but integrity is what maintains that draw, that audience. And when you lack that, you may have a big church, but you'll also have a big back door and and you'll see people just rotate in and out. They'll stay for, you know, a couple of years and then they realize, oh, there's some issues here, right? With the with the 
leader, with organization. And oftentimes, it's been my experience that the integrity, the lack of integrity in a leader's life shows up in the organization before it shows up in the leader's life, right? Yeah, you'll see it in the staff members rotating mm-hmm. out a lot because mm-hmm. that guy's just really hard to work with. Yes. Yeah, and the, and the people too, like the church people that, the members that come and they come to know the Lord and they're super excited about everything. And and then they get invited into the orbit of ministry leadership. And then they realize, man, there's a lot of issues here. I don't think it can, and they'll try to work them out, but then if they can't resolve them and the leader doesn't possess integrity and some of those qualities that we uh, talked about before, particularly empathy and humility and doesn't operate out a sense of goodwill, those leaders will, will move, people will move on to a different place. Last week or so, we got to be in New Orleans together with our wives and Double Doc and his wife and had just such a great time at MI, a replanter conference there at Nobits. Thank you, George Ross, for hosting and your whole team just did a phenomenal job. And one of the guest speakers that we had was uh, Fred Luter, yeah. former former SBC president, but most importantly, former replant bootcamp podcast guest. <laughs> yes. That's, I know it's on his resume. Uh, but, uh, but he did such a good job talking about the four pillars of church replanting and revitalization, preach, pray, love, and stay. Mm-hmm. And man, I was so excited to have him come and speak. One, he replanted a dying church and he's just stayed at that church for 35 years. Mm-hmm. And for somebody to stay at one church for 35 years and a lot of the members that were there initially are still there. A lot of the staff that first came on with him are still there. His son, Chip, who is on our podcast, works for him again now there. And just as you get to know him, and here's, you've never heard scandals about him. You've never, I mean, like to have that kind of career and consistency that he has had, I mean, I thought it was just such, such a, a blessing to have him speak to that because he, I think he exemplifies this. It's so important for, us to look to leaders who have stood the test of time and do exhibit that character to learn from them, to respect them, to listen to them. And here's what I think we'll find. This may be true. Their humility is demonstrated in how they talk about what they've done. And most of the time, when you look at a leader who's just lasted for a long time, they're not going to be the flashy person. They're just going to be the, the strong and steady, right? They're just going to, you know, they do the same things. They say the same things. They they consistently demonstrate the same kind of character and quality. Now, they're, they're, they will obviously have that, that desire to learn some things and change over time, and they'll tweak what they, they learn. But they have a, a core set of operating principles that guide them, that help them be stable. And so what I would say is, man, if, if you're looking to, if you're a, a pastor or a replanter or a revitalizer, and don't look at the latest and greatest to the most flashy. Look at the person who's just gone in and gotten it done, right? And I think I think of a couple pastors around the St. Louis area, one who's been, who revitalized the church 20 years ago, right? And man, he's just, he's just strong and steady and uh, has, has built a, a really healthy church and a good group of elders. And, and I would, I really respect all that he's done and, and like to spend time with him. So man, watch for that. Watch for the strong and steady, and the guy who's got the track record and been there a while. That's the kind of integrity we've been talking about, like uh, not just integrity of telling the truth, but even the integrity of your character and your leadership, that it can withstand all the difficulties of life and ministry. I was reading an article 
in preparation for this on tabletalkmagazine.com. And it says, Eric Geiger illustrates this point well in his book, How to Ruin Your Life, in which he notes that if you have ever watched a building being demolished, you understand that there are two ways to destroy it. One can, one can demolish a building from the outside with wrecking balls, which is visible to everyone and catches no one by surprise. Or the building can be demolished from the inside by strategically placed explosives that weaken the integrity of the structure. The second type of demolition is not immediately obvious to onlookers, but as the structure weakens, the building eventually will collapse. His point in the book is simple. A leader falls apart internally before the ruin and rubble are ever seen externally. Therefore, as Christian leaders, we must diligently destroy our sin before it violently destroys us. I know that's a long quote for me to read, but I was just reading, I just thought it's, it so well demonstrates what, what we mean when we say integrity. And this is what Paul exhorts Timothy and in turn us in 1 Timothy 4.16, to keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So good, man. As you're reading that quote, I was thinking about, you know, some of my, in in seminary, they always told us this, that they would look at the class and they would say, most of you will probably not be in ministry in, you know, X number of years. Like most of you won't retire from ministry. And I used to, as a younger guy, I thought, really? Like, really? Is that the case? And then as we've got involved in ministry, and as I've been in it for you know twenty plus years now, at about the ten year mark, and in the twenty year mark, like every every decade or so, you start looking around, and there are fewer of your your colleagues, your classmates, that are in ministry longer. And some of that is just a natural transition out, but some of it has to do with this issue of integrity. And also, we we've all had experienced the pain, and I'm sure you have too, of of somebody who is publicly just incredibly popular and dynamic and you've been around them and there've been some questions of integrity and you just see everybody kind of falling all over themselves to try to, you know, snap up what they say and listen to them and be close to them and all that kind of stuff. But you've been with them behind the scenes and you've had experiences with them where you've gone, man, I just, I have a different view of them because of my experience with them. And so that's the external internal, right? So I would just say to, to again, to the audience, particularly our younger guys, man, be careful who you choose as your heroes in the faith. Like you, you want a guy who is the same guy that he is on stage as he is in person in the car when you're driving around. And I think a couple of weeks ago, you talked about your experience with Louis Giglio, right? And and how he's the same, he just cares about you, right? He's like a, a guy that's interested in you. And so I think, you know, find that guy, respect those guys. And and most of the times, those guys are not the guys that are on the big stages. Mm-hmm. Rarely do you find one that's, you know, got that public persona and that private persona that match. I'm not saying it's impossible, but percentage-wise, I've just not found it to ring true always. Yeah. The five imperatives of integrity that we're going to walk through today are authenticity, consistency, tells the truth, seeks feedback, and trustworthiness. As, as I look at these, I think back on a, a quote from Martin Luther. These are the two causes of offense to hearers, doctrine and life. If a man leads a good life but preaches bad doctrine, this is a great offense because he should not be believed. If, on the other hand, he teaches good doctrine but leads a bad life, people say if what he teaches were true, he himself would live it. Mm. And so as we look at these we've been doing the whole time. These kind of build on each other and it starts with authenticity, which is an interesting word right now. And I think it's, I think it's the right word to be here, 
But I think we do have to be careful in understanding what that means. When we say authenticity, we don't mean that you are comfortable with your sinfulness. Because I think sometimes that's how it plays out. People are like, oh, I'm just being authentic, man. I'm just being real, just being, just being myself. And and so like you're a jerk to people or you cuss in a lot or you, you know, and, and they just go, I'm, this is just me being authentic, man. I'm not going to put on a face for you. And I, I think about First John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all sin. Authenticity, um, I think about in the art world, when something is authenticated, people have, curators have found evidence of the author and they authenticate that this is genuinely a actual Picasso or an actual Degas or, or whatever artist. And they find, there's ways to find evidence and it's, they find evidence sometimes in the, there's certain styles of that artist. There's certain, we do this with when we do exegesis, right? And when we look into scripture, we go, well, this is not the way that Paul normally writes, or, you know, it seems like the writing style feels more like Luke than it does like Paul or, and there are ways that we find the style. And I think in the same way that when we, to be our most authentic selves is to follow Jesus so closely that we exhibit evidence of him as our author. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think another aspect of this too, is that we have uh, redefined authenticity as uh, bluntness that lacks discretion yeah. Yeah. in our uh, culture, right? <laughs> and, and so we've got some guys, maybe they're high D personalities and maybe spiritual gifting. They're more, a little more prophetic and they're just going to blast something from the stage and just going, well, I'm just, I'm saying it like it is. I'm just being authentic. Well, no, you're being blunt and you're lacking discretion and wisdom, right? So I think we've got to be careful to help rescue that word a little bit more. Yeah. And our authenticity is not the core to ourselves because Romans teaches us that we're sinners, right? So like inside of me is a sinful nature that will persist until Christ fully redeems me and I am uh, completely made righteous, right? So there's going to be a part of my authentic self that is sinful mm-hmm. and that it, Authenticity doesn't mean I just give voice to, you know, that and shades of like leadership aggression and like blunt statements and all those sorts of things. And then all the other stuff, you know, that we would talk about being sinful nature. We need to be authentic to scripture and what God calls us to do. Right. And so that's what we're talking about is, is you've, you've got to you've got to mark yourself by the fruit of the spirit, by the qualities that are commanded of us as elders, as pastors. And, and so that's what we're that there's a mark of authenticity that stands outside of us. That we go back to. I think about even uh, early in ministry, <laughs> Audrey would always call me out on having what she called the preacher voice. <laughs> and she would say, don't, don't do the preacher voice. It's just creepy. Yes. It's not real. It's not who you are. <laughs> and, and she would, I mean, she would hammer me hard about the preacher voice and she would, she would always catch me and go, Hey, I know you're lying or I know you're or not, not even the content, but like, I know you're putting a face forward. I know you're not being authentic. You're not being you. You're, you're trying to, you're trying to be somebody you're trying to be something. And in that, like, don't try to be what, whoever your favorite preacher is or whatever that your heroes in the faith have heroes in the faith and learn principles from them and practices, but don't try to be them. You got to find your own voice and then be consistent. And that, so our second one, consistency, Bob Bumgarner taught me, people learn to trust you to be who you are consistently. If you consistently fail to follow through, 
then people just trust that you will not follow through. If you, so people trust you, you just have to train them on what that means, but they trust you to be who you consist, whatever you are consistently. That's what people will expect and trust you to be. And so consistency by itself isn't necessarily great, but it's, I think it's don't always try to swing for the fences, man. Mm -hmm. We we've been talking a lot at, at our association about this idea of, we've been talking about the money, uh, Moneyball and how in Moneyball, if, if you watch that, and it's not actually an endorsement of the movie, but they basically, it's about the true story of the Oakland A's and they had lost some, some all-star players. And so they didn't have cap left to really replace that. And so they were trying to figure out, I mean, how do we try to win games without having a whole lot of money, which sounds like a replant. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and so they came up with a stat like this, this Yale graduate guy is basically running numbers, a processor, and he goes, here's what I realized, man. We don't have to look cool. We don't have to have all-stars. The The main stat that drives whether we win is if we get people on base. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter if they can hit it to the fence or if they walk 60% of the time. If It's just as glorious for them to get a walk and get on base as if they hit it to left field. And so they just started stacking with guys that get on base. And we're able to see some great success through that. And then and, and another strategy in baseball is just hit singles mm-hmm. called small ball. Don't don't try to hit for the fence. Just hit singles. And if, statistically, if everybody got a single, you'd win every game. Yeah. Because uh, you just keep winning. And so be just don't worry about trying to be grand and grandiose or, or be as good as your heroes. Be authentically who God has called you to be and be consistent in that and consistent in your integrity. Yeah, I mean, be present, be who you are, but then also I think be be committed to to follow through and execute. You know, we, I love the kind of the definition there uh, that, that you guys are working from, from the association level. Like uh, if you're consistently 20 minutes late to uh, every event, then the people, the friends who invite you to a meeting are going to start moving up the, the start time and knowing that you're going to be late, right? Yeah. Or if you consistently, yeah, man, I'll, I'll get that email to you or get that document to you and you don't, then people are going to disinvite you and start un- not relying on you to, to uh, get things done. If you make a promise to call or to pray or to do, you know, whatever, I mean, it can be something simple. It can be something big, but we all have the coworker have had a coworker in the past who is just unreliable. Right. And Proverbs talks about the, un- how the unreliable are so frustrating, right? They're like a, a cloud without rain and, uh, and they're like an unreliable tooth. And uh, (laughs) man, those are bad images, right? And yeah, yeah. So man, just be consistent. Yeah. I mean, as Jesus says, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Matthew 5, 37. Uh, So be consistent. Tell the truth. Proverbs 11, 3, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. And back to our kind of central passage for all of this, Ephesians chapter 4, and you go to verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. This is probably the easiest understanding of integrity that people will grab to the most is the idea of telling the truth. And integrity is telling the truth, but I think it's much more than that. I think part of integrity, Bob, is where I want to make sure we get through the other two, is seeking feedback. Like having integrity is understanding 
that you're not always right and that you have blind spots. And by the very definition of blind spot, you don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. And and so you need people to point those things out. And I was looking at at Proverbs has some great thing. Proverbs 19:20, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. And then I this is my favorite one is Proverbs 12:1 because my mama always told me I was not allowed to say the word stupid, but here I find it in the Bible, Proverbs 12, 1. <laughs> Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. There you go, Mama. I got to say stupid. There you go. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof, like if you hate it, if you hate, the Bible says if you hate feedback that isn't easy to hear, then you're stupid. And, and so don't be stupid. I think we just need to acknowledge this, and this would be helpful for us. There are areas of our life and leadership where we um, don't have it all together and where we absolutely need feedback, right? And just expect that from now until the day you retire or die. Like, you're not going to have it all together. And so the gift that you have is somebody who loves you enough to go, hey, man, like, I just want to bring this up a little bit, or maybe you're not aware of this. And then they explain maybe a, something you said in a meeting or a leadership fault or how per- people are perceiving this or how you come across when you're passionate about something or trying to, you know, do whatever. And you need that feedback because we all, I think we all want to improve as leaders. And we suffer greatly under the myth that we have to have everything. If we're put in a position of leadership, that we have to have everything that is required and necessary to fulfill that with 100% perfection, right? But here's the reality. Every position we are placed in, we're going to be exposed in some way because we we will never have everything we need that's required for leading in that position. And so, man, just expect that you're going to learn some things through mistakes and through reproof or encouragement from others that will help you be better. And if you have the person who can walk up to you and come up to you and go, man, I'm, I'm for you and I want you to be good. Here's something I need to help you see, right? And that's a gift. Don't despise that person. Embrace that. Listen to it. It's going to impact you in a number of ways. Some of you get real discouraged. Some of you will be emotional. Some of you will be upset for a long time. But try to listen to the substance of what they're saying and not take it so personal. And just remember, none of us are perfect as a leader. We don't have all of all the skills we need for our position. I mean, this is huge. One more proverb, twelve fifteen: the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. It's hard, man. It's not easy to receive feedback. You, you want to know that what you did is good. So the flip side of that, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. When you're providing feedback, think through how it's coming across and and make sure that you're saying in a way that it can be heard with with love. In the Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. And so if when you provide feedback, people can't say, you know, I've, I know that was hard, but I also know that he loves me and that that's why he did it, then, you, then you're not doing it right. It needs to be clear. And I think sometimes out of a desire to show love, we become ambiguous in, in our feedback. And so then it's not helpful because we want to be soft enough. And so there's a, there's a, there's a tension and a balance there of being able to speak the truth in love that's clear and helpful but also loving and can be heard in the spirit that it's intended. Yeah. If I'm emotional, like, so let's, let's say I had something that I wanted to give you as a, as a point of feedback to help you be better. If I'm mad about your deficit 
and I feel personally attacked about it by through it, I'm probably not going to be able to give you that piece of information in a helpful way because I'm, I'm suffering with the hurt of that, right? It's the weight of that. Now, if I've given myself some space and time and I can boil it down to, a, hey, man, I love you. And when this happened, when you said this or when this came about, this was hard and here's why. And because I care about you and I want us to, you know, fulfill our mission, work together well, et cetera. If I'm able to couch it in that kind of a conversation, it has a lot more impact for the good rather than the bad. So sometimes I would I would say we, we get so offended, we just want to offload our burden and our anger <laughs> and like dump it on somebody and then expect it to change, them to change, right? And that's not, they're never going to change. It's just going to entrench them and divide us and, you know, destroy that relationship. All right. So the last of the five imperatives is actually an output of this entire process. And so here's what I mean. This whole thing, if you go back to all the episodes about this, are about the character of effective leadership. It begins with goodwill, and then it leads to empathy, and then humility, respect, integrity, and then all the five imperatives underneath each one of those. They all build. And here's what I want to tell you the output of all of that will be is trustworthiness. Trustworthiness is not something you can do. It's not something you can declare. It, like Michael Scott declared bankruptcy in the office. It's, <laughs> you, trustworthy is something that happens, right? And it happens as a result of all of these aspects of character. And Proverbs 10, 9, whoever walks, right? And we know that in Scripture, walking is talking about our life. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. But he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Proverbs twelve twenty two. The Lord detests lying lips, but he he delights people in people who are trustworthy. Trustworthy won't happen in a day. Trustworthy is a culmination of all of these factors and all their imperatives on your character. We haven't even gotten to preaching. We haven't even gotten to change leadership. We haven't even gotten to all the nuts and bolts of ministry. But I believe it has to start here. It has to start with your character. You have to have that integrity and trustworthiness in order to lead well. I love how you said that trustworthiness is a product of these things. And I think that's a great insight and is super helpful because all of us aspire to be trustworthy and we we think we are. But if, we, if we've not examined these other characteristics in our life to see if we're authentic, consistent, if we are telling the truth, and, and most of us would think that we do tell the truth, but tell the truth is not just like an outright lie, but uh, I want to bring up this fact. Sometimes operationally, when we say we're going to do something and we don't do it mm-hmm. and we're required of others, you know, that that's, that's in essence, that's a lie, right? Because we're not doing that. And then when we shun feedback rather than welcome it and seek it, all of those things will undermine trustworthiness, right? So, yeah. I think this is a solid list and it's a challenging list. And and I'm just want to encourage our boot campers, man, spend some time with this, wrestle with this, maybe get with your spouse or a trusted friend and just kind of work through this list and say, man, if, if you look at this list, like, are there areas I need to grow in? Or is there one that I could focus on to really improve my leadership? And then just wrestle with that and lean into it and read scriptures on it and try to see what the Lord wants to do in your life. All right, guys. See you next week. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.